This is the Sooner Sports Podcast. Your all-access pass to Sooner Sports. The Sooner Sports Podcast is presented by Allstate. Are you in good hands? And by Riverwind Resort. Riverwind Resort, the place to be. Now, here's your host, Chris Plank. All right, welcome into the Sooner Sports Podcast. My name is Chris Plank. We got a really cool episode for you this week because a lot of times on the Sooner Sports Podcast, you know, we're we're preparing you for a weekend's game. We're maybe looking back on the excitement of the week before. But I'm I'm kind of pumped about the premise of this week's podcast. And basically, we're celebrating two Heisman finalists from the same school, D.D. Westbrook and Baker Mayfield. And I love the Heisman Trophy because I'm a voter. Uh, I always look forward to that Saturday night and the ceremony. There's kind of that love-hate relationship where sometimes maybe a guy that you felt was deserving, like Baker Mayfield, whom I had number one on my ballot last year and did not even end up making the ceremony. And you fast forward a year later, and, and now you know I, after – despising the process last year because I'm like, how can you leave Baker out? You're excited for Saturday night because you want to see two guys on the national stage, and they're both deserving, and they'll get that opportunity as Mayfield and Westbrook were two of five finalists for the Heisman Trophy. But there's so much that goes into a Heisman Trophy campaign, and there was so many cool things around Mayfield-Westbrook 2016 that – as my excitement was kind of ebbing over the addition of both Baker and Didi into the finalist list, I realized there's a story here beyond just what Jessica Cootie told about Didi Westbrook, and you heard that full 16-minute interview last week. It was phenomenal, phenomenal. If you missed it, go back, listen to it, Soonersports.tv slash podcast, or uh, search Sooner Radio Network on SoundCloud or iTunes, and you can find last week's episode. Jess's sit-down is amazing with Didi, and if you haven't watched the feature, go do it at Soonersports.tv. And obviously Baker. You know, Baker the leader. Baker the motivator. Baker the comedian, almost in a lot of ways. He's a guy that keeps things loose on the sidelines, but obviously focused at that same time. And we've known this now for two years. Baker the playmaker. There's more, though, than just the players. There is an entire process in putting together a Heisman campaign from the design to the promotion to the digital pieces to the timeline. And I thought it it might be really cool to take a podcast and go behind the scenes of what it took to put together a Heisman campaign. So as a fan of podcasts, I thought, hey, man, we we've got a story to tell here beyond just these guys and what they've done, right? I mean, what if I were to tell you that the typical process of going about selecting a Heisman candidate was doubled up and there was more to it than just two guys in their performance on the field? What if I told you that there is a full campaign that involved many people, right? All right, so maybe my addiction to cereal doesn't really fit in here very well. But the point is, it's more than just what happened on the field when it came to getting the word out. So welcome to this very special edition of the Sooner Sports Podcast, where I promise not to get too caught up in trying to tell a story. And I will allow those who were involved in the process to tell the story themselves. I guess you could call this 
The Making of a Heisman Campaign, starring Mike Houck, Tori Kukowski, and Jessica Cootie. All right, so with any major award, you have to have guys that are worthy of said awards. And as this season played out, two guys absolutely stood out. Hand off, flea flicker, back to Mayfield. Fleeks it deep down the middle. D.D. Westbrook is there. He's got it, and he's going to score a touchdown. Oh, mama, what a play. Snap, hand off. Nope, keeper, Mayfield, play action, sets up. He's going to heave it deep. He's looking for Westbrook. He's got it. It's a touchdown. <laughs> 71 yards, Baker Mayfield to D.D. Westbrook. And just like that, the Sooners are back on top. Mayfield claps his hands. He's got the football. It is a keeper. Mayfield runs near side. First down to the five. Hand to the end zone. High-stepping Baker Mayfield. Second touchdown run of the day. So with what Baker Mayfield and D.D. Westbrook did, throughout the entire 2016 campaign, warranted award consideration. Did it warrant Heisman consideration? Well, let's go through the process and what went about deciding that this push would happen. We'll start our conversation with Oklahoma Sports Information Director and many-time guest here on the Sooner Sports Podcast, Mike Houck, who basically lays out exactly what got this started. I think one of the biggest challenges for us the last two years was figuring out when to launch the campaign last year for Baker, this year for Baker and Didi. Um, and it was probably a little more difficult this year than it was last year. It was pretty clear cut after the Baylor game last year, and Baker had some huge plays and it was a big time prime time game. Uh, Oklahoma won. I mean, that, that was pretty obvious when, um, when we should launch the campaign and we did the following week this year was a, a little trickier. I mean, a month into the season, I never thought we'd wind up with a legitimate Heisman candidate, much less two with the team getting off to a one and two start, because let's face it, you usually have to win a lot of games and you usually have to look pretty good doing it to have a guy seriously in the running. And it wasn't until probably after the Texas tech game that I even thought it could be a possibility to have Baker or Dee considered and even then it was a long shot because of the year that Lamar Jackson was having at Louisville. And I think if if voters were required to submit their ballots at the halfway point of the season, I'm guessing that ninety nine percent of them would have had Jackson in the number one spot. But then Baker and Didi kept doing their thing game after game after game and, and started to get into that Heisman conversation. So that's when our creative team met. Um, we met the Tuesday after the Baylor game and started to come up with some ideas and, and plan to roll out a campaign after the West Virginia game, provided that at least one of those guys, Baker or D.D., played really well, and it would probably also hinge on our team's performance. And uh, luckily we got out to a huge lead um, in that game. You know, D.D. had that, what was it, 75-yard catch and run in the snow for a touchdown. Baker accounted for four touchdowns. And we won convincingly against a good West Virginia team on the road. So we met again early the next week, which was a bye week and was Thanksgiving week. And we launched our campaign via our website and um, social media platforms actually on the afternoon of Thanksgiving. And we weren't really sure that was the best day to go public with the campaign, but we didn't have everything quite ready before then, and we didn't want to do it on Black Friday or on a Saturday when there were a bunch of games going on. And um, 
you know, we just kind of figured that a lot of people will be sitting around looking at their phones either before or after <laughs> their Thanksgiving meal and would hopefully see our launch. And it seemed like they did. And that's really how it got started this year. So for you, Mike, what was the role once you decided to push? Uh, obviously, coaches play a part in this, I would imagine, too, saying, heck, yeah, let's do this and having the, the personalities that are behind it. Mike, is it is it for you staying in constant contact with the media? I mean, what what's kind of your role then? Because it's got to be a real delicate balance between pushing or at least creating this drive for an individual award, but also never losing sight of the team accomplishments, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's definitely something you have to be a little bit careful about um, as far as the team aspect of things versus, you know, pushing two specific guys. But it, it's not too much of a concern when you're also able to, to promote the fact that you're playing for a Big 12 championship, possibly another college football playoff appearance. And, and you've got other players doing really good things on the field, too, that you can push and promote. And if you follow our social media platforms and our website, you're, you're well aware that we were doing a bunch of things to promote um, all of those things. Uh, at the same time, we were trying to get Baker and Didi to New York. I would say you've been a part of several of these, um, but as kind of the, the main football contact as an SID, this is two years now and two years where you've had a guy uh, that's been in the Heisman mix, and now this year we're sending two to New York, Mike. How different was year two for you, outside of just having two guys, but how different was year two as opposed to kind of the push that took place in year one? Uh, well, having two guys was, was definitely different, and I wouldn't say it was more challenging to execute other than it was more or less twice the amount of work than it was last year, but um, I think we did feel that having two even candidates could hurt us in the voting because I mean, there are only three spots on the ballot, and we didn't think very many voters would put two players from the same team on their ballot. And I actually had a feeling that, that Baker and Didi would, would split the vote, so to speak, and my fear was that neither would end up a finalist. So our campaign staff was, um, needless to say, very, very happy on uh, on Monday night, to say the least. Um, as far as, you know, anything I may have learned from last year versus this year, um, you know, I think last year, my hope, and I kind of suspected that a lot of people would vote earlier than I think they actually did, um, because OU did not play on championship Saturday last year. And I think that really hurt Baker because the, he finished fourth in the, in the Heisman voting last year, the three guys who were finalists and, um, finished ahead of him all played on championship Saturday and all had really strong performances. And so what I learned last year was that a lot of voters wait until after that final weekend, even though the ballots are, I mean, they're free to vote well before championship Saturday. Um, the deadline is the Monday following championship Saturday. My hope last year was that a lot of people had already sent in their ballots, but I found out I don't think that was the case. And so, um, uh, kind of went. We actually launched our campaign a week later this year than we did last year, and um, and the fact that that we play on Championship Saturday had the the fact of the Big Twelve Championship game against Oklahoma State, and I think that helped both Baker and Didi. And I think a lot of people did wait, um, just like they did last year, to cast their 
their ballot until um, after that last weekend of play. We'll hear more from Mike coming up in just a bit. So you heard Mike mention many names from Scott Matthews, whom you'll hear from uh, in a bit. You'll hear from him in a bit, uh, Jessica Cootie. And now our next guest, Tori Kukowski, who is the director of digital media. And we kind of went through his process and his role in putting together the digital side of this campaign. Kind of got together late in the season when, when they were both kind of starting to get some national publicity and national attention and uh, got a bunch of our creative heads into a into a room together and um, first just debated debated whether we do try to push two or whether we try to pick one or, or wait for one to kind of set themselves apart because obviously the end goal is try to get try to get somebody to win it but but at least get them to New York and and with two guys in contention you don't didn't want them splitting votes and that kind of stuff so there was kind of a, a long debate just on on how we were going to approach it and and where we kind of landed was just just the fact that they were both in the in the national conversation and and continue to do well and and each of their individual success was kind of predicated on the other um uh, just decided to go with two of them and and the whole concept of of the campaign just kind of came about obviously with it being a presidential election year there was kind of a kind of a natural tie in Absolutely. there um kind of doing a joint ticket type of deal so um that that was where just kind of the concept originally kind of uh developed from was was it being a, a an election year and that kind of stuff and um so as far as going into the into the whole um website and all that we tossed a bunch of ideas around and um wanted to make it as much like a like a campaign as we possibly could so uh first just laying out their credentials but um also kind of kind of having um endorsements uh all the all those types of things that that go into a campaign so it was it was really fun um again it was it was a team effort just just with the whole um, concept behind the whole thing, but but everybody that contributed to it, and um, it was just it was a lot of fun to be a part of. I love the endorsement side of it. You had guys who had called games, you had offensive coordinators, you had coaches. It do it did have a, a cool campaign feel to it. So, what was that challenge then like of pushing to? It's kind of unique for you, and and may, I, I should make this real clear. You're all about the team. I mean, and, and everyone is. I don't think there's going to be a single person outside of number 11 and number 6 who can say, yeah, all about me. And, and you, you even told me, like, ah, th- it's not about me. But I'm intrigued by the process and, and kind of one went into it. So when I say the challenge of pushing two guys, Tori, that was something that you, when given the directive, you just went to work on the creative of it. Kind of digging into, like, the challenge of having two guys, you, you didn't want to make one shine over the other. I mean, what was that like? Yeah, no, that was that was exactly it. Was was once we made the decision to to go with two guys to try to make it um, as much of a of a joint campaign as possible, and and not doing, um, not trying to necessarily um, make one stand out. We and again, we kind of going back to to some of our original brainstorm meetings. We we kind of did go through the um, scenario if if one did kind of set themselves apart kind of sticking with the whole campaign and election right. theme we we had kind of talked about well, do we do we try to get one of them to give like a concession speech or something like that <laughs> at some, at some point you know so we, all those all those ideas had had been tossed out and and just the way that it turned out um again kind of as i said earlier each of their individual success obviously just based on the positions they play is kind of kind of predicated by the other guy too so the the chances were that 
one does well, they were both going to do well. It was um, almost it was almost as if Baker kind of gave a concession speech, but then again, he goes, "Oh, I'm not dropping out of the race." Yeah. In, the, yeah. <laughs> in the last yeah. press conference and, and of the that, season, and again, we had tossed that idea out, and then just kind of how it <laughs> unfolded with him doing that in the in the last post game press conference is just kind of uh, again just kind of a natural natural thing. I don't wanna, I don't want to say that that the whole thing was easy, but once once we kind of um, laid that foundation of of sticking with the the campaign theme and everything, right. every everything. Uh, just kind of revolved around that. So how many – I don't know if there's an exact number, but because on the website there's tons of information at uh, mayfieldwestbrook2016.com. But do you have a number of about how many digital pieces you guys put together? Um, we There's quite a few. I know that. Yeah, and, and some of that was – some of it was pre-planned. Some right. of it um, was just kind of uh, fell into place depending on how um, – just kind of how the last couple weeks of the season unfolded. But – we decided to launch uh, kind of Thanksgiving weekend um, just because uh, we had to buy that weekend. And there, obviously, with, with it being rivalry weekend and everything, there's a lot of big games going on around the country. Um, so we, we launched it Thanksgiving Day and kind of had um, a daily, sort of a daily schedule of, of how we we're going to try to keep that keep that campaign going and ultimately trying to trying to build it towards, towards the last our last game of the season. You had a lot of people that helped you, and I know you're all about that. Uh, Arch, Matt Archibald, who's in your office, Erica, um, who, who works very hard. I mean, the, the team aspect of this is what really is, has caught my eye from what the three of you did, and I don't know if I'm leaving anyone else out. but Scott, Scott, Scott Matthews. It, it, as a matter of fact, we're, we're going to talk to him next uh, from Kenny, uh, who, as, as the administrator, kind of says, I've done this before. Here's an idea from Mike Houck to, to the coaches, you know, green lighting it. And then obviously the personality of the players. Tori, I don't know if anyone can truly it, – it's almost – we go with the campaign mindset, but it was almost as if you guys were campaign managers for someone who was running for an office. Exactly, and that and that's that's really what it felt like. And 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 again, just with with the theme that we developed, um, I think it was it was easy to get everybody to kind of buy into that, mm-hmm. um, including some of the some of the folks that you mentioned, the coaching staff and all that. Some people may not realize like they're they're not heavily involved in the process, but just signing off and and giving the go ahead for it. Um, but but the folks kind of doing the um, I guess you could say doing some of the grassroots uh, campaign type of stuff. The people that were really hands on with it um, really was a team effort. But it w- it was fun because we because of the the concept that we came up with it and everybody wanted to to uh, contribute to it and and we really um, the the goal from the very beginning was okay if we're gonna do this campaign theme we really have to stick with it you know we can't deviate from it. Um, so every, everything we did, every, every idea, every concept, every piece of content that we put out, we really tried to, to stick with that theme and really nail it home. And I think it was, it was a challenge, but I think everybody really embraced that. And, um, yeah, definitely, definitely was like running a campaign and, and couldn't have done it without, without everybody's contribution to it. How fun was it for you? Final thought. And and then maybe that moment when you saw them both end up in because nobody knew there was no phone call to Didi or Baker or anyone beforehand that said hey you've got two guys it was very much it it, it was live I mean no one found out until Charles Woodson and Desmond Howard and I remember was was it Trent Dilfer that no one knew until it was truly announced yeah it it was so much fun and and obviously there would there would have been no campaign from the beginning without the without the candidates right and and they were obviously the the basis behind the whole part of it and, and their personalities 
um, obviously made it made it so much fun. But um, just just throughout the entire process, it, it was I've kind of said since since the announcement was made Thursday night, one way or the other, it would have been all all worth it. It it wouldn't it wasn't um, it wouldn't have been devastating if they didn't didn't end up going to New York. That's that's just icing on the cake, you know. It, it would have been all worth it one way or the other. Um, but just just so happy for them that that they get rewarded for their hard work and um, win or lose, um, they're there and it's and it's an awesome experience for them and and that's what makes it so valuable for us. So when I reached out to Eli Wilkerson, the director of marketing, he humbly said, "Listen, I didn't have a lot to do with this outside of putting out a few signs." And giving out a few buttons, you need to talk to Scott Matthews. So I went over, after getting lost trying to find his office, and caught up with Scott Matthews, the director of graphic design for the Sooners, and asked him about the process and his role and the excitement of putting together a Heisman campaign and where it started for him. Um, well, Tori and uh, Tori and Mike Houck, uh actually met, and they had the, they had a planning meeting, and and they worked out all the the details on what they um, what they were looking for, what type of what type of look and feel they were they were looking for. Tori actually came up to my office, and was we were discussing this, and uh, said he wanted kind of a campaign theme. We were just coming off you know the presidential election, and um, so I you know, generated some ideas on my part. And we looked at some, we looked at some different types of campaign posters and literature and things that were out there. Um, and then just kind of started playing with some ideas and, and came up with the whole look and feel of the, uh, the design. The, the two-tone feature kind of similar to what it, it looked like for Barack Obama whenever he had his campaign poster. Yeah. That, uh, that Obama, uh, hope campaign poster is probably one of the, the more iconic, uh, posters, uh, in U.S. history, right? Um, and and yes, we were we were going we were going with that feel. But also, if you look back over the years, there's been a lot of different, uh, especially presidential campaigns that that use that same theme all the way uh, all the way back to Kennedy. Um, and Reagan had uh, wow. Reagan had some uh, um, some interesting poster concepts that we that we kind of borrowed from a little bit and and. Uh, um, yeah, that, so that was that was kind of the genesis of the the look of it, um, and then you know we had uh, we had some great pose photography to work with from uh, Siobhan Williams here locally. Yeah, I, I was gonna. Was there much you had to do specific for this, or was a lot of the stuff just kind of? And I don't mean it from the design perspective. I mean from the photos and from the different things. Was there many things you had to do specific for this, or was there so much that we had already had so much already in the in the kitty, so to speak? Well, um, we we had to actually come up with the come up with the layout, and and that wasn't, um, you know, that's something we do daily, so right. that's that wasn't a big deal. But as far as the the photography goes, every year um, in the spring we get together and and uh, uh, put down a list of players who've you know seniors or guys who have who have made significant contributions and we do a photo shoot with those guys. So, um, we, like I said, we bring in Siobhan Williams. She's a local uh, portrait photographer. She does amazing work. And, and so we had all that already set and we use those, we use those throughout the year, all those different pictures for, uh, mainly for social media marketing, but I use it on posters and cool. uh, things like that. So we already had all that in place and, um, and you know, we were on a real tight time frame too. So we had pictures that we've that we've already processed and got ready uh, for this. So we were able to turn it around really quickly. From a creativity perspective, how, you had a lot of freedom on this, didn't you? 
you when you're on that time type of time crunch it's it's uh <laughs> yeah i mean um we just kind of we just kind of knock it out you know what what's crazy is um this is my third Heisman campaign and it's changed since I've been here and it's changed so much. Really? What's, yeah. what's, what's different? Well, social media is what's different. <laughs> the, okay. uh, um, you know, the, the white, uh, Peterson campaign, it was basically, Hey, we'll print something out and put it in the press box, maybe send a couple. Um, I think we did like notepads for national media, um, with some of their stats on it. And, uh, um, that was it, you know, there, I mean, there's obviously website mentions and stuff like that, but you weren't pushing Facebook and Twitter and, and Instagram and stuff like that. But once, uh, with, with Sam, I think there was a, there's an iconic picture of it. It's actually up right, right there right on up. your wall. Yeah. yeah. So from the, <laughs> from the Cincinnati game where he's, where he's doing the Heisman pose, we took that and I think we, I think we put it on a fan like, a, and said like, I'm a I'm a fan of Sam or something like that and and sent those out um and so it was and and this was when Kenny Mossman was was head of communication so mm-hmm. it, it, we always wanted to push the accomplishments of the athletes and never be overstated very be understated let their accomplishments speak for themselves and and uh I mean obviously it paid off in, yeah. in 2003 and 2000 uh 2008 so, so the, in this era in the modern digital media, social media era, uh, it's almost as if you, you you feel like you have to be overstated, but more than anything, it's got to be constant, right? It's got to be a constant uh, sending of information. Oh, no doubt. I mean, we're, you know, um, and that's where Tori and his staff did a great job. I mean, they're they're constantly, and, and Sooner Vision as well. I mean, so you've got to hit them up. You've got to hit them up with the print side is what, you, you know, what I focus on. You've got to hit them up on digital for, for Facebook, Twitter, mm-hmm. Uh, Instagram, Snapchat, whatever, and then you've also got to hit them up visually with uh, with video. Um, and luckily, we're well suited to handle all those different areas. And and but you're right. I mean, the the attention span and the the amount of things that are out there that distract from your message is constant. So you've always got to be hitting up new stuff. That timeline was extremely aggressive because. I know from this not being your first rodeo, you don't want to do anything to take away from the focus on the team, but yet you have this incredible opportunity, and it's not like it's something you can start pushing midseason. Right. So, well, you can, but it's, yeah. I don't think it's very smart. And I think that in that instance, this year was kind of unique because a lot of people, I think, had made a decision midseason that it was going to be Lawrence Jackson, or Lamar Jackson, excuse yep. me, and then it, it changed as time went on. So with that said, how, much, uh, how challenging was that for you with that short turnaround? Well, luckily – on my end, um, you know, I can, I can, I can knock out stuff pretty quick. The hard part is, uh, the production. So, you know, we had, um, so we had, uh, yard signs, we did buttons, we did decals that were given out. So this was probably, this came to, uh, came to light, man, uh, just probably a few days before, before Thanksgiving. So Mm -hmm. we had, uh, we had about two weeks to turn around with a holiday in there. Um, and, you know, working in sports and, and being here uh, 12 years, I built up a lot of good contacts, you know, locally and nationally for um, <laughs> production and rush production. Um, so uh, it, it was all local. It was all local vendors, but we were able to turn around 10,000 decals in a, in a week and a half, um, 300 buttons and 50 yard signs. Wow. Um, and you know our staff went around and got them out, and we we got them out at the game, and and it was it was really cool. It wasn't um, uh, everybody seemed pretty content with those timelines, and we were 
Um, uh, the initial design didn't change a whole lot from start to finish, so we were able to uh, we were able to get that out and get it done in time for Oklahoma State. How fun was it for you? Oh, it's awesome, I, and it's you know the uh, the cool part is actually seeing the guys uh, make it to New York. Um, and, you know, I'm excited for them. And, and, you know, we don't, you know, from my perspective, I don't have a whole lot of daily interaction with the players, but the interaction I do have, you see the, the enthusiasm and the exuberance and, and you're, I'm just really happy for them and they get the, their um, chance to experience that for sure. So in any great campaign, you need to have a solid storyteller. Enter Jessica Cootie from Sooner Sports TV. And she had told some incredible stories last year and that kind of helped things whenever it came to the 2016 campaign. Here's Jess. You know, last year when Baker entered the talks kind of late and, you know, he wasn't going to be playing on championship Saturday. And so, you know, we wanted to make sure we had enough content to keep him relevant, to keep pushing out. You know, they developed a website. Um, you know, they, they had – we had all kinds of, of video. We had the Twitter, the Baker for Heisman, and then I did a story – um, a feature kind of telling his story, um, you know, because it was still pretty fresh and new at the time because he was the walk-on and then he won the starting job and then here he is in Heisman Talk. So, you know, everyone loves that kind of story and, and that's what we've kind of always been told as Heisman voters love. Love it when there's a story behind, you know, the, the player. And so that's where that came into to kind of into play is, is I did this feature on him last year. So then when we, um, you know, started getting to where – this year, it looked like uh, both of them could be in Heisman talks. You know, we wanted to make sure that we kept it very equal. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were saying, well, you're going to have to pick one of them. You're going to have to pick one of them. But, you know, it really wasn't fair. I mean, Chris, you know, you know both those guys. I mean, they're so such great people, and, and they both deserve they both deserve this so much that, you know, and, the, and Coach Duke said it, you know, it's like he has twin boys. It'd be like picking between one of his twin boys. So, you know, when we started – to do the push because look if Dee, Dee has a good game it means baker has a good game and vice versa typically so it wasn't like either one of them was going to separate themselves they were going to continue to to both put up big numbers and so when it looked like that we could maybe just keep them both in the conversation and it was all about keeping it very equal um you know we we had kind of started talking about it i think uh really ramping it up after the west virginia game uh kind of really starting to talk about, you know, what what are some of the things we could do. And obviously, Tori and Tori Kukowski, um, you know, was, was uh, incredible with it. Uh, Mike Halk, uh, everybody um, kind of in the whole kind of team contributed in one way or another. But those guys were really the ones that were kind of, um, you know, in charge and kind of leading it up. And so my role basically was, uh, you know, I, my game day feature was on Dee Dee and he has an incredible story. And so, you know, I wanted to make sure that we put his story out there for Heisman voters. And with Baker, people already knew his story. So I wanted to kind of take a little bit of a different approach. So I thought it was important for um, voters and, and fans to see beyond his completion percentage, beyond his pass efficiency rating beyond his touchdowns beyond everything that he does is, is he's an incredible leader and and they might not be where they were winning a big 12 title without Baker at the helm so you know he uh I had his teammates kind of all talk about him and and what they what he means to the team what they mean what he means to him personally individually 
And so, you know, I just, I thought it was, yeah, when he's not throwing touchdowns, when he's not scoring, when he's not driving this offense down the field, he's in the defensive huddle. He's talking to the offensive linemen. He's, uh, you know, talking to, to guys that maybe need a, a pick-me-up. He's sprinting down the field to <laughs> celebrate when somebody else scores a touchdown that he has nothing to do with. You know, when Joe Mixon scores a touchdown, when um, Samaje, you know, in, in, or Didi, whenever anybody scores a touchdown, he's the first and, and most excited guy there is. And I thought it was important for Heisman voters to kind of see that side of him as well. I don't know. Um, you know, how much of a role it played, but um, it seems to be, um, fans seem to really like it. So that's, that's also crucial as well. You know, it's interesting because you were there the moment that Didi found out and uh, kind of a unique situation because, and I brought this up when I talked to Tori, nobody knew. There wasn't a heads up that the Heisman Trust gives anyone to say, hey, your guy's going to be a finalist, so make sure that you probably get the reaction. So what was that like, not knowing, and then having it play out like it did sitting there in Didi's living room? It was definitely one of the coolest moments that I've been a part of in my career. Um, you know, because, yeah, like Tori said, we didn't know. And, um, you know, he was... Tori was back at the office for, you know, the Justin case to be watching for both of them. And so Matt Archibald and I went um, over to Dee Dee's house and, you know, he had some family there. He had some friends and we walk in not knowing and nobody has any kind of inclination. And Dee Dee didn't think that his name was going to get called. And, um, you know, I've said this, but it was, it was pretty funny because, Baker, in talking to Baker, he said that he had no doubt Didi was getting in, and he didn't think he was getting in. And Didi says the same thing. He had no doubt Baker was getting in. He didn't think he was getting in. So, um, you know, we're sitting there, and, and we don't we don't know. But then and here Didi is not thinking that he's going to get in. And so, you know, we've been told anywhere between 5 and 7. And so we get over there um, about 5.30 just in case we didn't want to miss it. And I think it was probably about at least 30 or 45 minutes before the announcement came. So we're just kind of like, you know, chilling, talking about the game, the bedlam game, you know, chit-chatting, <laughs> killing some time. And then here comes the announcement. And, um, you know, they're like in alphabetical order. So Lamar Jackson comes. And then and, and when they say alphabetical order, we're like, oh, my gosh, this is going to be like the longest 30 seconds ever. <laughs> because he is, we know that he's going to be last if he's if he's one of them. So, so here comes Baker's name, and and to see Dee's reaction when when Baker got announced was was really really awesome, and he was so excited, so pumped for him. And you know, in the video that is posted online, we kind of cut it off, but literally from the entire time between Baker Mayfield and Deshaun Watson, Dee is like so pumped for Baker. So then here's, here's Deshaun Watson, and we're watching, and then it kind of gets quiet a little bit, and then all of a sudden here comes his name, and oh my gosh, it was it was so cool. And like it was like nobody – we didn't know how to react because I think Petey was in shock, and, um, you know, we were we, – we, again, we didn't know what to expect, and so – and the camera's rolling, and I really want to cheer really loud, but I know that everybody's going to be mad at me if I'm cheering <laughs> in the background, so – I'm trying to keep it together, and then, you know, he kind of celebrated, but then, you know, and then here comes the phone calls, and that was really, really cool to kind of hear that part of it. Coach Stoops called him, and Coach Riley, 
um, Coach Simmons, and, you know, it's pretty funny. It was pretty cool listening to the conversation between um, Stevie and Coach Simmons because Coach Simmons coached Michael Crabtree. So, um, you know, he's had a, a Bolitnikoff Award winner, but, you know, he's, I, Coach Simmons said he's never had a Heisman finalist. So, Stevie's the first guy that he's coached that's been a Heisman finalist. So, it's a really cool moment there. And then um, – uh, just the, the, with Lincoln, uh, Coach Riley calling, and Coach Stoops, and then Dee gets on the phone with his mom, and well, and he had basically immediately FaceTime Baker and was saying, <laughs> you know, we got to get some haircuts and got to be looking sharp, and so then he calls his mom, and oh my gosh, that was funny because he was telling mom, you can't wear a, a skirt from 30 years ago, you you got to get a new outfit, and she said, uh, they're going to be thinking I look like Michelle Obama, so. <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, it was really really neat to be a part of, and then you know, and then when you you go and then because uh, at that time we were just with CD because Baker's on his way back, so then we go to the press conference with Baker, get to chan- get a chance to talk with him, and um, it was just a, it was just a really cool night. It was really really neat, something I'll never forget. So there was one common theme that I loved in every single conversation with Tori and with Jess and with Scott. And that was the surprise, the the element of shock whenever they saw the names pop up on the screen and they really had no idea what was going to happen. No one had any clue whatsoever that either one of these guys were going to end up being finalists. Well, I, I say almost anybody. Well, I can say that nobody really knew. But somebody did. Somebody knew that Didi and Baker were going to be Heisman finalists. I, I don't know if this is a serial podcast-type spin, but let's go back to our initial guest, Mike Haupt, when I asked him his excitement in seeing the names pop on the screen. Baker came up first, and then Didi came up second. I mean, can you begin to describe how it was for you personally when you saw that happen? <laughs> well, I, I have to be honest. I knew it was going to happen. I, I got tipped off um, <laughs> about... About half hour, forty five minutes before the show, um, I got a, a call from the Heisman folks. They, they were just they just wanted to um want us to be prepared and have things ready to go on our end. It was just a little courtesy call and I appreciated that. So but um I I rushed over to you know, our plan was to um shoot D shoot his reaction and, and we had this lined up. Um since I think it was the day before I talked to him on Saturday after the game about it. And, um, the, the reveal was on Monday night. So he agreed to it on Saturday. He didn't think he was going to be among the finalists. So we had our crew over there and I rushed over there cause I was scrambling, preparing the release. And I rushed over to Didi's house and I, <laughs> I went to his front door. He was sitting in uh, the middle of his living room <laughs> and his door was his main uh, front door was open. The storm door was closed, but it, it was glass. I could see through it. And he was like pumping his fist. And I'm like, dang it, I missed it. And I walked in and he's like, look, Mike Baker, Baker made it. <laughs> and so I, I just barely got to see that. And I kept watching. It was alphabetical. So Didi was the last one. And um, he just was in shock. And uh, it was just a really neat moment to see, see his reaction and just kind of disbelief. And Baker found out he was driving back from Arkansas from, from winning the Burlesworth trophy earlier that day and i was watching it via his uh, ipad or iphone 
and um, we captured that. Carl Anderson was with him on the trip and was shooting his reaction too. And and uh, it was it was just that's what I'm happiest about. Yeah, there's satisfaction. You know, we'll never know for sure how much of a role we played in helping get those guys in New York. We like to think that we at least played a small part, but I'm most happy um, for for those two guys. I mean, it's the amount of work that they put in. Um, every single day is just amazing and to see them reap the rewards of that hard work is it's really gratifying to see um from a guy who's never played football um competitively but um knows what what they put into it i'm just really happy for them and neither one of them have been in new york city and, and here we are going there in a couple of days and it's going to be fun to be along their side awesome. but i do i do want to i do want to say um uh, Tori Kukowski and Matt Archibald and Erica Harlow from our digital media department were all stars of this campaign. Jacob Potter, Jessica Cootie, and others from Sooner Vision, and, uh, Carl Anderson and Wes Moody from my office. I mean, we we had so much fun planning and executing this campaign. And Scott Matthews from Graphic Design and Eli Wilkerson and our marketing department were extremely helpful. And it was a great team effort and uh, just a lot of fun to do. And we're very fortunate that we work at a place like Oklahoma that um, has the resources we do and, and has the football players too to, to help promote. So there you have it. You obviously need players to make big plays. You obviously need big things to happen on the biggest stages. And when those events take place, you need a team that jumps in to help push the cause. And in Scott Matthews and Tori Kukowski and Tori's group that includes uh, Matt Archibald. I think Arch actually is the one person that will have listened to this whole thing. Right, Arch? Uh, Erica. Erica is is incredible. The E-Train. Erica Harlow. Such a hardworking crew over there on the uh, digital media side of things. To the incredible job that Jess did and the stories that she put together. And you heard Mike mention his crew over at Sports Information. You need the big-time players to make big-time plays, but an incredible staff to help sell the story, tell the story, and obviously, it worked. So congratulations to Dee Dee Westbrook and Baker Mayfield. I hope one of you walk home with the Heisman Trophy on Saturday night, and kudos to everyone that was involved helping to put this campaign together. Uh, I appreciate you all listening. A little bit different on the podcast today, but that's kind of our goal is we want to tell stories beyond just what's happening on the court. It's a little bit challenging sometimes in an audio form, but I, I really dug the support of Kenny Mossman and wanting to put this together. And then, of course, Scott and Tori and Mike and Jess being so kind with their time. We'll be back on Tuesday with the game plan as Toby Rowland will rejoin us after a big weekend of college basketball. Make sure you get out to the uh, Chesapeake Energy Arena because Oklahoma – takes on Wichita State this Saturday afternoon in a huge college basketball showdown. And the Sooner women are back home on Sunday. We'll be all in on basketball and hopefully recapping a Heisman Trophy winning trip for Baker or Didi. Everyone have a great weekend. And as always, Boomer Sooner. This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.